So after the excitement of softening inflation in the US comes the concern that it comes perhaps at the price of a slowdown. We mentioned that perhaps that's why oil was down yesterday. Well, guess what? It is down even more today. And the second tier data in the US is all looking weaker as well. So does that mean the Fed will move rates down faster? Well, that's not going to happen in Australia, is it? There's still a question over whether there'll be another hike. And yesterday's jobs numbers will add to the question about whether more has to be done. And are we out of kilter with other advanced economies because of it? And Xi and Biden, all smiles, a developing bromance. How long will it last? Well, perhaps till Donald Trump comes back. It's Friday, the 17th of November, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. So big falls in oil this morning, 4.4% off Brent, down to 77.60 a barrel, 4.6% off WTI at 73 a barrel, both down over 5% earlier. US equities have lost their mojo, down for much of the session on all indices, but finishing mixed. So the Nasdaq and the S&P up a tenth of 1%, the Dow down one tenth of a percent, so a bit meh. And in Europe, the FTSE 100 is down 1%, down 0.3% for the Eurostox 50, uh, but the DAX up a quarter percent. The real losses actually in Europe were in France. The US dollar has been down, then up, but it's basically unmoved on yesterday. The same for the euro and the pound, but the Aussie dollar down 0.7% this morning to 64.70 US cents, also a 0.4% rise in the yen. And bond yields back down today, seven basis points off 10-year treasuries, actually about 10 basis points off a few uh, not so long ago. Uh, Yields down eight in the UK, five in Germany. Aussie 10-year yields were up two basis points yesterday to 4.55. Then on futures overnight, down another five basis points. So, party over? Has Goldilocks gone home? Uh, Here's Nab's Tapa Strickland in Sydney. I mean, it it, it seems like uh, slowdown fears are starting to take hold now. We've got excited about uh, inflation easing, but we've had, you know, but now the slowdown. So, had a bigger than expected fall in industrial production. Some bad news in the Philly Fed manufacturing uh, survey, particularly when in related to jobs the uh, and forward orders. Initial jobless claims, they've shot up. Put that together. Then you add the oil inventories that we talked about yesterday, the fact that uh, in the US they rose so much more than expected. I mean, a lot of this is second-tier data. But if you put it all together, then it starts to paint a picture, doesn't it? Good morning, Phil. Yes, the US second tier data did come in on the weaker side of expectations. And it just it plays towards that narrative that you and Gavin were talking about, about the Fed probably being done here. And we're talking about uh, to what degree do they cut rates next year? And actually, when you look at market pricing for cuts for the US Fed, uh, they currently sit at 99 basis points worth of cuts in 2024. Um, that's up from 89 basis points yesterday and well up on 73 basis points in l- last week. So markets have pretty much extended that pricing. And actually, when you look at US 10-year ten, yields, they did fall by 9.2 basis points to 4.44%. That's pretty much where they were at the lows post uh, the US uh, CPI earlier on in the week. So it seems to be within that narrative. So as for the second tier data that you're mentioning, jobless claims did come in a little bit higher than expected at 231,000 versus 220,000 expected. Uh, jobless claims are very, very volatile, but in a market where it's looking for signs of weakness and for signs of what would cause the Fed to start cutting rates and by how much. Uh, That's probably the reason why the market got kind of carried away with that. It's broadly consistent with some softening in the labour market, um, but just worth noting it is volatile. So I think it's worth uh, waiting for another week's print before getting too carried away with right. the trend. But it, is, but it is the highest numbers. So 1.865 million people are now claiming benefits during the week ending the, the 4th of November, which I think is the highest level since November 2021. So there, there is a significance to that, isn't there? Oh, yes. 
Definitely. And I guess it puts more premium on uh, the next few payrolls reports uh, in that respect. Mm. And then uh, in industrial production was a little bit weaker than expected at uh, negative 0.6% month-to-month versus 0.4% expected. But just worth noting that UAW strike uh, did lead to a 10% plunge in motor vehicle production. And that strike, I think, came to an end on the 30th of October. And I just saw some headlines coming through that uh, GM just came to an agreement uh, then. So uh, that should see a little bit of a So that would there, explain why, that, well, why capacity utilisation is down. Because if you look at that and you think, oh, well, that must be a slowing demand, but it could also be strike action, of course. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, but what what I did find interesting in the overnight price action was actually in the equity market. So, uh, when you look at the equity market, you uh, did see some weakness in consumer consumer staples and uh, there mm. you did see the stock price of Walmart fall by more than 7% and uh, it was basically it met expectations or beat expectations but its guidance was a lot lower and I just noted in the last few weeks of October uh, things had come in a little bit weaker than expected and they were just trying to work out exactly why that was the case but what really caught my attention was what the Walmart CEO said about prices and he said we may be moving through a period of deflation in the months to come um, he said that during a conference call and he said it, they'll be broadly happy about it. So it does look like the pricing power is changing there and that would be broadly positive for future low inflation prints. And US mm. Fed Chair Powell said earlier on in the year that he was looking for six months of good low inflation prints. Uh, we've had five so far. Um, so I think that gives you a greater confidence that at least on the consumer goods side that you could see um, some further disinflation coming through. Right. Well, which is all good news, isn't it, really? So that that, those, that 90 or 100 uh, points come remember quite what you said in terms of uh, how much we expect to see uh, the cuts next year. Is that also being brought forward now because of this slowdown? Is the prospect that it's actually going to be earlier in the year? Yes. Yeah, so there has been a little bit of brought forward there and I guess it just really depends on what the inflation track is at, at the moment um, yep. and if you do get another very uh, good inflation print then I think you can increase the probability of cuts coming into to next year Right but uh, the uh, Fed speakers aren't changing their script though are they so Loretta Mester uh, said you know 2% inflation is going to take time she's talking overnight but she said maybe this is alluding to it they are nimble enough she reckons to respond appropriately if the economy evolves differently to how they expect it so that could be good or bad couldn't it that could be her saying that well yeah actually we can respond quickly and bring rates down if we have to uh, yes and uh, i think the fed is going to maintain that line of not declaring victory too soon just given it was head faked a couple of yeah. times in the past few years uh, but if you have five to six good prints on, on on inflation then that can give you greater confidence that uh, you're less likely to be head head fake there so i think you'll probably do need to see another couple good inflation prints, but at least the track is very encouraging. It's no surprise to see uh, yields going where they are. I think what will be important for yields in the next few weeks, we'll actually be looking at treasury auctions. So um, are buyers willing to buy um, at auction at these level of yields? And I think that's one area that is a little bit more uncertain out out there. So I'll be looking quite closely at uh, the coming few weeks of Treasury auctions. Meanwhile, uh, no softening in the Aussie labour market from yesterday's numbers. So 55,000 people in work in October, more people in work, 20,000 more than was expected. Uh, But the unemployment rate has risen to 3.7%. So mixed messages. Uh, You know, I think the RBA is expecting unemployment is going to reach 3.8% by Q4. So we are pretty close to their forecast, aren't we? Yes, yes, that's right. And just worth noting with the unemployment rate, it's really been stuck in a range of uh, 3.4 to 3.7% since mid-2022. So we haven't read too much into that small lift in the 
smaller than the unemployment rate. Uh, and indeed, as you noted, uh, the RBA had been penciling in a 3.8% unemployment rate by the end of the year. So nothing really to change their view of the state of the economy. And you'd have to say the chances of a December rate hike are now extremely low. But I think the data itself does signal that the labour market still remains strong uh, and the prospect of a hike in February being ne- necessary is still there, as is uh, Nab- Nab's call there. So we'll be looking quite closely at that. So these numbers aren't big enough for the RBA to say, oh, hang on a second, there's something here to be concerned about, so we'd better move sooner. I mean, I guess a lot of it, I mean, even though 55,000 was a big number, I mean, a lot of it was part-time, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's, it's very hard to... Um, delineate whether you should be concerned about the part-time. If you were concerned, then you'd expect underemployment to be rising. So underemployment measures those people who are working but want to work more hours. But actually, underemployment was steady at 6.3% and remains remains very much lower than it was prior to the pandemic. So it doesn't suggest that the rise in part-time is suggestive of an overall weakness in the economy at all. So what's your take on oil prices then? Because they are down so much today. Is that just because of this expectation for a softening in demand? I'll tell you what, on on the oil price, I think the trade of the century was the US Fed selling its strategic petroleum reserves at $100 a barrel and uh, going in to buy Ah. $75 a barrel. But uh, putting that aside, it looks like the weakness in in the oil price is a combination of both supply and and demand. Um, Overnight, there was a lot of analysts talking about technical factors within markets. And generally, when you see relatively large falls, so Brent oil down about 5.2% overnight, that does tend to be driven by te- uh, technical factors. And there was some notion that algorithm-driven traders were dumping crude holdings after prices dipped below $80 a barrel. Uh, but the, 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 key, the, the key themes there remain that supply seems pretty ample despite the mooted OPEC plus supply cuts. It looks like some OPEC members are willing to supply more into the market than what their stated cuts are suggesting. And then there are those growth fears, particularly around China. Um, So there's some notion that uh, Chinese oil demand isn't as strong as it was previously. Uh, In terms of Chinese uh, growth and activity, we did have the activity figures earlier on in the week, but just with noting... uh, Burberry, which is a large UK-listed luxury uh, retailer, their share price plunged 9% on Thursday, and they just noted um, very subdued demand in China. And a number of other luxury retailers have reported the same thing over the past couple of weeks. So that rebound in the consumer in China, particularly from the luxury side, is just not occurring. Right. And presumably that explains why Japan's trade data yesterday exports well down on September because of that China slowdown, presumably, because actually uh, Japan's exports to the US were up quite a bit, weren't they? 8.4%, I think, to the US. So hybrid cars being a large part of that. So that fall is really just the slow growth in China that's driving that. Yeah, it seems seems so. What about uh, President Xi and uh, Joe Biden? Uh, Talks were constructive, apparently. China is, um, you know, they were both smiling. It looks like it's a different relationship. China is open to sending more pandas to U.S. zoos. I'm not sure. Is that a good thing? Um, but, you know, it, it, is a, it is a very different relationship to, you know, perhaps where they were a year ago. And it's diplomacy. It? You heard it here first. Well, it seems to be. Um, it, it, it yeah. does look encouraging. And it's encouraging point of, point of view where they weren't talking before in person. So that is an encouraging sign. Mm. Uh, I think the lead up to the Taiwanese elections next year is going to be quite important. Um, if the kind of pro-China and pro-independence parties and how they uh, relatively play out. Um, After a year, you'd have to say investors are probably underweight China. So if there seems to be a little Mm. bit of detente emerging uh, in terms of um, the US and China relationship, both on trade and on wider geopolitical matters, then that could see a bit of a 
pick up in portfolio flows back back into China. Yeah. Um, it still remains to be seen, uh, but that would be helpful for the Chinese economy if it does occur. Now, the UK, uh, we get retail sales today. Uh, D- David uh, Ramsden, the uh, Deputy Governor of the, the Bank of England, uh, was coming out with that whole higher for longer line, so trying to dampen the uh, any talk of cuts in the, the middle of next year for the UK. He's warned businesses to be prepared uh, for longer. Or actually, he said firms should be prepared for severe shocks when interest rates can change very quickly. So again, that could mean down, couldn't it, as well as up. But anyway, we get retail numbers. We get hard numbers today for the UK. We get retail sales for October uh, expected to rise a little in October, 0.3% versus a fall of 0.9% in September. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I wonder, because it was very wet. And they seem to not like going shopping in the UK when it's raining. And actually, it was sixty. The rainfall was sixty three percent higher than the average in October. So maybe that's you know maybe that number could be a downside surprise. It, it could be. Um, and I guess it would, if it did come in, we can expect it will play to that view of a of a slow of a slowdown in the UK economy, mm. even though it may have been driven by by the weather. Now, what about uh, Europe? What's happening there? So we get uh, a slew of ECB speakers and the the final CPI. I mean. You know, it sometimes does change in that final read, doesn't it? It, it does. Um, consensus doesn't expect too much of a change there. So um, at least heading into the report, no, no one's really expecting it to deviate too much. And you had core inflation at 4.2% year on year. The uh, story emerging out of Europe, though, is uh, disinflationary pressures emerging, particularly in the last two inflation reports. So that's an encouraging sign. Mm. Um, so I think the yep. next inflation print is going to be quite quite important there to see if it continues. Actually, when you look at the six-month annualised out of Europe and the US, um, over the past couple of months, they have fallen quite sharply. But you look at the six-month annualised in Australia, and you haven't seen that sharp fall in core inflation. So very different inflation dynamics in Australia relative to the US and Europe so far. Right. Well, then that's oh, US housing starts and uh, building permits uh, more second tier data from the US um, but uh, other than that you know fairly quiet day today good to talk uh, we'll catch you again soon Tapas thank you cheers thanks Phil um, one thing that Xi and Biden did agree on apart from pandas uh, was the need to tackle climate change and the need for responsible investing is the subject of the weekend edition this weekend so where is your company parking its money is it making responsible investments um, but we are seeing um, really strong interest from values aligned organizations so not-for-profits um, foundations um, but also you know B Corp and, and values aligned businesses that um, you know whilst they're doing really great work with their their missions are realizing that their corpus or, or some of their money is invested in things that are, are not aligned with those. Or maybe it's going into businesses that appear to be aligned with your values, but perhaps they've been greenwashing you. Uh, that is Maria Lawyers from Australian Ethical Investment. She's on the weekend edition this weekend. Uh, this afternoon, it's available for your weekend listening pleasure. So join me for that. And again, of course, I'm back on Monday for the next weekday edition of The Morning Call as well. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Thanks for listening. 